0: Talking with Freddie Lynn, 1975 Rookie of the Year and MVP. Hard to believe we're talking going back 43 years, Freddie.
1: You really didn't have to say that. You could have just said <laughs> MVP Rookie of the Year and not gone on 43 years. <laughs>
0: well, well, talk about you know going to the Red Sox that year and what a year it was. It looked like you guys were going to be World Series champions until Bill Lee got a blister against the big red machine and it really would have changed the history of baseball because the Reds wouldn't have been looked at as a dominant team
1: Well you know what, we went into that series uh, pretty confident because we had uh, just beaten the world champs you know, the Oakland A's uh, they had won three years in a row and we swept them and we did that without Jimmy Rice Um, you know, against those guys we knew what to expect we'd seen them before but against uh, the Cincinnati Reds Without jimmy in the lineup, uh, it really hurt us, especially when they threw Donnie Gullett, because he was their best guy. And so not having that big right-handed bat. Uh, against the Reds, uh, you know, we took them to the wire anyway. Uh, we lost the last game 4-3, to three and and they beat, beat us best of 7 without Jimmy. I think if we have Jimmy Rice, we we win that series of six games.
0: Yeah, certainly a lot of people forget about that, and a couple of things that stand out was a performance by Louis Tiant in that series and, of, of course, Carlton Fisk with the game-winning home run uh, in, in game six that, you know, really propelled you guys, and everybody thought that you had the emotion on the side. Talk about Tiant's performance in that and then get to Fisk.
1: Well, you know, Louis pitched in an era where there was no pitch count. Um, he, you couldn't get the, you couldn't pry the ball out of Louis's hands. There's no way he comes out of that game unless you knock him out, and he wouldn't allow that even. You know, when he was rested, and in game one, I can't remember how many pitches he threw in that game, but he shut him out. You know, if we have a rested Louis Tiant the rest of the series, again, we win because they couldn't handle him. But he threw like 150 pitches every time he went out there. So, you know, he was running on fumes the last game. But, you know, it was just a wonderful performance and what a great teammate he was.
0: And, and talk about Fisk with the home run and, and you, you know, your team's on the bench and everything. Talk about the emotion of that home run there.
1: Well, we were watching uh, Darcy warm up. I was I was sitting behind Fisk in that game, and Darcy had thrown a couple shutout innings. He was a sinker baller, and uh, put, we were talking. And Pudge says, "You know, I'll hit it off the wall, and you drive me in." Well, what happened to the me driving you in? <laughs> uh, he, you know, his, Pudge is a low ball hitter, so uh, you know I had a perfect view of the pitch. It was down and in, just where Pudge likes it, and he cut it off. And the only uh, worry was that it was going to hook foul, but it got out so fast that it didn't have time to hook. And, you know, he's, he's doing the, the wave, and I'm jumping up and down, and, you know, it was pandemonium in, in Boston. And
0: baseball at that time was, you know, football was on the scene and becoming popular and more popular, and that really got people's attention that World Series. Still considered one of the greatest World Series of all time. I, I know you lost it, but, uh, you know, how hard was it to, to walk off the field knowing you're so close to winning a World Championship?
1: Um, you know, I was a rookie that year, and to be honest with you, I had never lost a championship game that I had played in uh, in college or in, the, in professional baseball, won the Triple A World Series, uh, won three co- uh, national championships at USC. So any time I got to a championship game, I had always won. So this was a new experience for me. I'd never lost one. So, you know, I'm a rookie, and I'm thinking, okay, we've got a lot of young guys here. You know, not happy about losing, but I'm looking in the locker room. I said, you know what, we're going to be be around for a while. This team is pretty good. You know, we'll we'll get them next year. Well, next year didn't come until 2004. <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: in 1976, the Yankees started hot, and, you know, things kind of boiled over on that May night, the famously when Lou Pinella tried taking out... Carlton Fisk, a a brawl ensued. It changed the life and career of Bill Lee and certainly affected pennant races over the next couple of years. Uh, Was that the the, the start, in essence, of the rivalry or the renewed rivalry of the Yankees and Red Sox, or was was there something there in 75 as the Yankees were getting a little bit better as they brought Catfish Hunter and Barry Bonds over?
1: Yeah, I I thought, uh, you know, in order to have a, a really intense rivalry, both teams have to be good. Uh, kind of like this year. Um, if if one team is way better than the other team, and yeah, you have a little bit of a rivalry, but it's not the same. But when you both teams are playing for all the marbles all the time, and they're both really good clubs, and they both don't like each other, uh, <laughs> and the fan bases don't like each other, yeah, then it's exciting baseball. Uh, Any time we went to Yankee Stadium, there's 55,000 people screaming at us. And it was so much fun. And the intensity was just, if every game you played there felt like it was a playoff game or a playoff atmosphere. There were 50 reporters in the locker room, and it was just the just ball. I, I just loved playing against those guys.
0: And talk about the brawl that night, of course. Like I said, that was kind of the, the real heated moment, the turning point of, of that rivalry right there. What do you remember? I mean, that, that thing, I, I watch it on YouTube. And that thing got pretty nasty in a hurry.
1: Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm in center. So, um, by the time I get there, you know, there's guys squared off all over the place. And basically, you know, I'm trying to to pull Yankees off the pile. And, and, you know, the guys are, it was intense. Let's just put it that way. I mean, it was just not pushing and shoving. Um, there was some serious anger there. And so those kind of things, uh, it's not like today where you talk to the guys before the game. There was none of that kind of stuff. Um, so that really set the tone, I think, for the rest of my career against those guys. Huh. Uh, uh, you know, Thurman Munson and, and Carlton Fisk had a, an intense rivalry, so it, it just kind of. But they respected with those two they respected
0: guys. each other in, in a lot of ways too.
1: Sure, I mean these these are two uh, two of the best catchers in the American League, and they're in the same division. You know, a few hundred miles apart, um, and they're both type A personalities, big, gregarious guys. And so it didn't take much to uh, set off that, that fuse for the powder keg there. And um, it didn't just a little bit of an inside pitch or a brushback or take somebody out a second, and away we went. Who
0: was it the most you hated on that Yankee team? Was it Nettles or, or maybe Reggie when he came a couple of years later, or actually the following <laughs> season?
1: Well, I don't think anybody liked Reggie, but uh, – <laughs> <laughs> But you know, I respected all those guys. In fact, uh, Nettles, you know, and their guys, Sparky Lyle and Goose, and we're, we're great friends now. After, after uh, of course, we're not playing together, but um, after our careers were over, you play golf together, and, and we talk about all the stuff. And and I, I looked at it from their perspective, um, talking to the, to their guys, and it, it was it was very interesting. They they felt just like us. You know, we're the two best teams in baseball. We just happen to be in the same division.
0: Was it better then than now that players not talk to each other, or you think it's better today where people where, where the players actually converse before the game?
1: Well, I think this has all changed uh, due to free agency and the, the fact that players can move around uh, and interleague play that kind of thing. Um, back then, you know, teams pretty much were were set in 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 the teams that they had. You'd get a free agent once in a while, but guys move around so much now that. You may not play with them, but a couple of years, and then you're off on somewhere else, and then you pass, cross, and you hey, how you doing, and the ex-teammates, that kind of thing. Um, I, I still wouldn't converse with the Yankees. Uh, I, I'm not a big fan of talking to the other teams. I, I learned that in college. I mean, you think I'm going to go talk to UCLA before I play them, or Stanford? I'm going to go talk to those guys? I don't think so. Um, so, yeah, I'm not a fan of it. Um, you guys have a job to do. We have a job to do. You, you know, after the season, you want to buy me a beer, I might think about it. I might have somebody taste it before I drink it. But um, I, I just, I'm just, i not a fan of uh, co-mingling before a game.
0: <laughs> hey, talk about how the game has changed so much. Uh, certainly the pitching uh, uh, aspect of it. Pitchers would go five innings. I remember a game. I took the subway with my father to Yankee Stadium to game in 76, and Catfish Hunter pitch it, was pitching and he pitched a one nothing shutout, 11 innings, extra innings. Carlos May got the game-winning hit. You know, when would you see that happen today?
1: Never. Well, here's the deal. You know, uh, Catfish Hunter, that's a great example, and I'm glad you brought him up. Here's a guy, let's say he's his top uh, fastball, let's, say, let's give him 94, okay? Uh, in the course of a game, he might throw that top speed, 94, maybe a half a dozen times. The rest of the time, he's taking a little off, he's throwing a little slider, he's, he's changing speeds. He's not throwing 100% every pitch, and there lies the difference. He might pitch to contact early in the game. He wants you to hit it. He's going to throw a little sink piece up there, hit a ground ball, one pitch, one out. It's economizing pitches, and, you, and you, your sustainability to go nine. Now, no one is expected to go nine, so they throw 100% every pitch. Well, Nobody can do that. Nobody can throw 100% on every pitch and throw nine innings. It's impossible. So the guys that used to pile up a lot of innings uh, back in our day, they didn't throw 100% all the time. (laughs) That's not how you pitch. It's called pitching. and That's another big difference today. The guys just fired as hard as they can, and hopefully it's a strike, and they do it as long as they can, which isn't very long. And that's where he gets five or six pitchers a game.
0: Yeah, Catfish Hunter, 30 complete games, 1976. Uh, one other thing before we get to the, the 78 playoff game, just you know, how the game has changed so much, launch angles, strikeouts are okay. You know, the game just seems to go on and on. Are you telling me a guy like Rod Carew, who you played with, or a guy Tony Gwynn later on, wouldn't be able to find a job today because of the way they interpret stats? Uh,
1: you know, no, no, no. These guys would always get a job. Um, you know, I'm not. I'm never. I was never a stat guy. The only stat I cared about was in the left-hand side of the column, the W column, the wins. That's the only thing I cared about. And if if I could help the team win that day, that's all I cared about. So with all these other things, I can't even read a box score. There's so much stuff out there, and a lot of it uh, is meaningless. To be honest with you, it's somebody invented this stuff to keep a job, I think. But it's, some of it's relevant, and you can utilize that um, as a player. But you can't, you can't overthink this thing. You know, there's a little bit of thinking that goes on, and you know, I remember how that guy pitched to me, and and I remember what I tried to do against him. I don't need to see a thousand videos of it; I remember it. Um, the, uh, the only way I would use videos is if I had a mechanical issue in my swing. But other than that, then you know, I I know how guys are going to pitch me, and yeah. It's just too, many, too much analytics. You know, use your gut. You know, the, the teams that are winning, they have uh, franchises that use analytics to a certain degree, but they they they're old school baseball too. They still fundamentally move runners over, uh, get them over, get them in, kind of thing. Um, play old school baseball and. You know it's a nice combination of the two uh, it makes for a perfect blend
0: nineteen seventy seven the rivalry really heated up as you uh the Red Sox, the Yankees, and Orioles really fought down to the wire uh for first place in the a at least there was no wild card at the time. Talk about that race you remember in seventy seven down to the wire
1: uh, gosh, all three teams so here's the here's the scenario um the Orioles are coming in to see us um meaning the Red sox for the final series, three games, all right? I think the Yankees have a two-game lead over both of us, so we had to sweep them, and they had to sweep us, and then Yankees had to lose one um, to get a tie. And what happened, we beat the Orioles the first game like 9-8, to eight, so they're out, okay? So the second game, they beat us like 8-7, to seven, so we're out. You know, and it was like, ah! And so the last game of the season was raining like crazy. And back then... Because there was no wild card or anything, um, the first-place team got so much money. The second-place team and third-place team got money, you know, and then you'd give it up amongst the players. So our player up went over to Baltimore's side and said, listen, why don't we just split the money, call this game. We don't need to play it. We're tied. It's pouring buckets. And that's how the season ended. We tied. Yankees won by one or two games. And it went right down to the last series uh, of the season. In
0: 1977, you finished with 97 wins, no playoffs, and then yeah. 1978, 99 wins, no playoffs. Would, would you have liked the, the the current playoff system right now? Would you? Would you think it would have been better for baseball at the time if the <laughs> the Red Sox were in it?
1: I, yeah, if you were to had that um, that scenario the way it is now, back in the mid 70s, when I don't
0: I was, know if anyone wow. would have left alive with, with that well, that series. You know,
1: I mean, yeah, we'd be in the playoffs every year. Yeah. And so one of those teams would have won um just get us in in the uh, get us to the dance, and I like our chances because we were as good as anybody, but we're only a game behind uh, the the team that won like every year, so yeah I, I mean, I would have liked our chances. Would it have been good for baseball? You bet because the best teams would have been in there um yeah, and for Red Sox fans, yeah, I don't think we would have had to wait to 2004.
0: Yeah, absolutely. 1978, uh, Mike Torres leaves the Yankees. He won two games in the World Series. He goes over to you guys, has a big year for, for the for the Boston Red Sox. Uh, one big difference to the Yankees, they bring Gustin. He takes over for uh, Sparky Lyle, who went from Cy Young to Cy Unara, as Greg Nettle said. And, of course, uh, the emergence of Ron Guidry. Talk about facing Guidry in 78.
1: You know what? I faced him when he first came up, and I don't know if it was seventy-five or seventy-six. I think it was seventy-five because um, I remember facing him in Shea when uh, Yankee Stadium was being refurbished, and so we played the games over there. And he threw—he still had the good fastball, but his slider was flat. It just—it looked like a cutter. So basically, had two pitches, and they were the same speed, and I hit him good. Um, and then Sparky Lyle got a hold of him. And he turned that slider, that little cutter into the Sparky Lyle slider, which is almost a curveball. And now he's got the big fastball and now he's got a, a heartbreaking slider that breaks two feet. So now he becomes really, really tough. And in 78, geez, I remember going in there, he'd strike out Remy Burleson and I'm coming up and the 50,000 people are going nuts. And I'm saying, I ain't striking out. I just want to hit it, get it in play. But, he was, he was as good as I saw for one year. Um, he was darn near unhittable that year.
0: And, of course, the 78 season, you guys were up by 14 games. 14 games mid-July. It looks like the Yankee season was falling apart. Uh, Billy Martin uh, resigned. Bob Lemming comes in. The Yankees chip away, chip away in that series in September. They call it the Boston Massacre, where the Yankees uh, basically you know had their way with, with your team. What do you remember about that series?
1: Well, I remember I remember the 14 back. Um the Yankees were even in our rear view mirror. Uh, we weren't looking at them because they were in fourth place. There were two other teams. The biggest lead I think we ever had in the, during the during the year was like five games. Uh Milwaukee was there Baltimore. So there was somebody always nipping on our heels. It's just one of those guys. But by the time uh, that series rolled around in September, uh we <laughs> we uh, were pretty clean in the first half meaning that no one was hurt and then we lost our shortstop uh, Rooster went down for three weeks with an ankle uh, we, we, Pudge went down for a little bit and guys were getting nicked and we just weren't the same team and Bill Lee was in Don Zimmer's uh, doghouse so he was not going to pitch in that series and <laughs> well, how'd that work out for us um, so yeah they they just were hot and we were banged up and they caught us at a good time
0: and the Yankees eventually took a, a lead against you guys and had really control uh, going to the last Sunday of the season. Uh, Tiont wins, Catfish loses, and because of a coin toss that uh, Yankees GM Al Rosen selected, uh, selected heads and he got berated by george steinberg saying you moron basically don't you know 75 percent of the time it comes up tail so uh (laughs) i read that in bill madden's book it was hysterical i I couldn't stop laughing he really he really (laughs) laced into him and so the the games in boston and you know a, a fall october day nice and cool describe the setting describe you know, what was going on in, in the players' minds and, and, and going to the park that day? You know, Set the scene for everybody.
1: It's a perfect day. It really is. Um, we know and the Yankees know the two best teams in baseball are on the field that day. And whoever wins that game is, is going to win the World Series. We both knew that going in. They've got their big gun. Um, Ron Guidry's pitching, and we have our work cut out for us. It doesn't matter if we're in Fenway Park or wherever. That guy was going to be tough. Um, and Yaz got him early. Uh, he had a two-run homer, put us up 2 nothing. and Torres is dealing. Um, he, he, I, I liked our guy, too. You know, he was a big, strong horse. Um, he, was, he pitched well in big games, so I, I liked our chances with him. I just didn't know how many runs we were going to score off Guidry. Um, but we, when we went ahead two to nothing, I was feeling really good about it.
0: And then, uh, you know, famously Bucky comes up, and then that seventh inning, he's Fallon pitches off, Fallon pitches off, hurts himself. Uh, Mickey Rivers says, "Hey homie, I think you got a crack in your bat." And what Bucky says that that whole time. Uh, Torres wasn't throwing any warm-up pitches at all, and he, think, and he thinks that affected him. Uh, what was going through your mind? I mean, did you ever think a guy like Bucky Dent would be the difference maker in this in this one-game playoff?
1: Well, I know that's what, you know, everybody looks at that and says, you know, Bucky's three-run homer um, won the game for him. And it was obviously a big blow. But to be honest with you, the, the, the guy that, to, in my mind, won that game was Lou Piniella. Um, we've got Guidry down 2 nothing, right? We've got two guys on in like a fourth inning, something like that, and I come up. Now, I hit Guidry, when I hit him, I hit him to left center. You know, that, that was my game plan. Just go the other way with him. Well, is <clears throat> playing in right because they didn't want Reggie out there because of the bad sun. Even though Reggie wants to play right, doesn't like DH, and they put Lou out there because they thought he could play it better. Well, right field in Fenway Park at, at that uh, time is, is just brutal. It's really brutal. So anyway, Gidry throws a slider, and I crush it into the corner, and I hook it. And Lou runs it down, makes a snow cone, you know, reach out, lunging, ugh, snags it. And nobody thinks much of it, but if he doesn't get that ball, it's 4 nothing. I'm on third, and we've got Gidry out of the game. Now, in the middle of their bullpen was not good. I mean, that was the Achilles heel. So if we knock him out, and that, was, that would have been it right there. 4 nothing he's out of the game. That game's over.
0: Wow, that's but a good point. He makes
1: that catch. He makes yeah. that catch, okay? So fast forward to Bucky Dent. And, you know, Bucky Dent, I played him like, I don't know, I was in pretty tight because he, he had no power the other way. And he just happened to catch one, and I'm back backing a, uh, Yaz and left, and it looks like it's going to hit the wall, and so Yaz is up close, and I'm going to, Play it off the wall if, if Yaz doesn't get it. And it just scrapes over him. Oh, oh, God. It just, it was one of those wall scrapers. <laughs> but, you know, it—it that put him ahead, but still we're in it. You know, Reggie hits a homer, and then Lou makes the second great play. Uh, Rooster's on first. I think it's the eighth. Uh, Remy hits a line drive. He never sees it in right field. Lou never sees the ball. Now, Rooster can't tell if Lou's going to catch the ball, so he's between first and second. Now, remember, there's only one out. So Lou puts his hands up, kind of like decoying Rooster. Well, it hits him in the chest and falls right in front of him. Rooster goes to second instead of being able to go to third with one out. Rice hits a long fly ball, which would have scored him and tied the game. So, in essence, uh, in my mind, Lou Pinella saved the Yankees three runs. And, and everybody talks about Bucky Dent with a three-run homer. You know what? When you save three runs, man, that's, that's, that's crushing against the other team.
0: Yeah, that, that line drive there, other, otherwise uh, uh, Rooster goes to third base there and, and he scores on Jimmy Rice's sacrifice fly. So, so, yeah. so, so right there.
1: If it, if, it, if it misses him, it goes by him. And you know, and the Remy, you know, as fast as he is, it could be a triple. I mean, the floodgates could open. But I mean, the guy made two great plays that no one talks about. You uh, know, so I, 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 was working at ESPN years later, and he was uh, managing in Seattle. And I said, um, Lou, why were you playing me to pull? No one plays me to pull against Kidry. You know what he said? He said. <clears throat> I thought he didn't have his best stuff. I'm going, jeez, really, and so I I scooted over, and that's really smart playing. I mean, I see analytics can't teach you that. That's a gut feeling, and he knows his pitcher, so he scooched over about 10 feet. Well, that's the difference in the game.
0: And all that action happened actually in the bottom of the ninth inning. So you, you talk about drama, you know, Goose Gossage facing the best hitters, you know, Jimmy Rice, and then Car- Carl Ustremsky comes up with with the tying and winning runs on base. Uh, what are you thinking in those moments? Did you think Yaz had a chance against Goose? Because you guys yeah, were getting yeah, to Goose. I
1: absolutely did. You know, the ounces, uh, was obviously uh, you know a little bit older, but he was uh, at that point of his career, he just looked fastball. That's all he wanted to hit was fastball. That's why he hit a uh, home run off Guidry. Guidry threw him a fastball, he hit it, boom. So he already proved that he could hit uh, a, a big-leg fastball on Guidry's early in the game. So Goose uh, talking to Goose later on, he just said, you know what? I'm going to throw it as hard as I can and see what happens. And he did. And he yes, had a great swing. He just, it was, the pitch was just a little bit up. If it's just a little bit down in the zone, yes, hammers it. Uh, but it's just enough up in the zone where he just couldn't get on top of it. And he, I mean, he hit it a mile in the air. And I know Nettles was looking out like, <laughs> oh, my God, it's up there forever. And, you know, that that was it. He makes the catch and it's over. Um it was, it was an unbelievable game. You know, I, again, uh, my side of it, it was like, ah, oh, it was so crushing, but to look at it, uh, many years later, uh, there were some great, it was just a great game. There's, and it was not, it's not really a play, a playoff game, uh, uh, in the sense of what we have today. But the 163rd game of that season uh, was pretty memorable.
0: Uh, high drama at its greatest, and you you had to be completely and emotionally, physically and emotionally spent after that.
1: Yeah, you know, I um, uh, that was a that was a crusher. It really was. Um, we had won, I think, nine in a row uh, to force that game that that playoff. So we were playing really well, just like we did the, the first half of the season. And um, for us not to win, I mean, we were. <sighs> Like I said, the two best teams happened to be on the field that day, and uh, it, they made two great plays in right, and you get an unlikely hero with Bucky Denton hitting a home run. Um, so, you know, the, the breaks went their way, but, you know, they made them too. So you gotta, you got to tip their, your hat to them. You know, they made some really good plays.
0: And we're talking with Freddie Lynn, uh, 1975 Rookie of the Year MVP, 1982 Division Series MVP. You batted six eleven while playing for the Angels, despite losing in five games. You're up two games to nothing in, in that. I don't want to mention that. And in <laughs> 1980, 1983, uh, you, you broke, you, you you busted through for the American League, the Grand Slam off of Atlee Hammacher to 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 get the American League back on the winning side. Talk about. I talked to Tommy John about it. That Angels team one through nine. He said it was the best uh, position team he ever played upon. You agree with that? You had Reggie, you had Baylor Downing, Carew, Gritch, the sensei's quite a team
1: yeah you know we really had basically all-stars at almost at every position and and i um in 82 i was the youngest starter at 30 years old so this is a established uh, team we got a lot of guys from the national league uh, on that club we had guys that had won before um and everybody was a veteran, and this was a really good club, a smart club. Um, never beat ourselves, and then to go in, uh, go up two-zero to uh, Milwaukee, then lose three uh, there was that was a killer. Uh, that really was a killer. And you know, I'm the MVP on the losing team, but it's like who cares? Um, ah, God, that was. Uh, I don't know if that team is. is Almost as good as some of those teams in the uh, that are with sort of the Red Sox.
0: Yeah, I've been I've been really thinking about trying to do a documentary on them because they, cause that team you guys had it was it, it it felt like a balloon just you know exploded on you guys because it looked like you guys were were and look you were playing the Brewers too they, they they were no patsies but it seemed like you guys were destined to go to the World Series and win it for some reason.
1: Yeah, I mean we we had four MVPs on that team. So that's a pretty good team when four out of your eight position players are MVPs. Yeah, the, uh, <laughs> but, you know, yeah, so we lose that game, and, and I'll, I'll tell you how we lost it. Uh, Cecil Cooper, the, probably one of the better hitters in the league, the winning runs on second in the eighth inning. Um,
0: and Luis and, Sanchez is pitching.
1: Yeah, we had uh, Sanchez pitching, but we had uh, Andy Hasler warming up, six six lefty. Wild as a coot. You knew, if you're left-handed, you are left handed you did not want to face this guy because you didn't know where he was going to throw. It. So the bullpen was in center field, and I'm turning around watching Andy throw. And I'm, I'm looking for the gate to open, and here he comes in to face Sousa Cooper. Well, it doesn't happen. I go, what? And mocks his way. He's just playing a hunch with Sanchez. Well, sinker down and away, base it to left. See you later.
0: And made a couple of critical decisions in '82 and then '86, taking Mike Wood out of the game. I remember Doug Dessense jumping up and down, and you know that certainly turned the fortunes. And and boy, you would never know. Bill, the Bill Buckner error should never have happened because the Angels should have won that series.
1: Oh, there's no question about that. Yeah, the the Halos had that one. They had that one, and um, yeah, when they took Wood out, you know, I, I played with Wooder, and I'm going what? <laughs> what? Yeah. Gene was a a, a great tactician, um, especially with the position guys. But he he was not a great handler of the staffs. Um, he just wasn't, and he, he wouldn't delegate the that responsibility to the pitching coach. So, yeah, it, some questionable decisions there with pitchers. Um, great guy, great manager, like I say for position guys. But sometimes. Uh, when it came to the pitching staff, maybe not the best decisions.
0: Well, Freddie, thank you so much for a few minutes here as we reflect back on 40 years after the uh, one-game playoff up in Boston. Uh, It's something that I'll never forget, and baseball fans can never forget, and it's really history. So thank you for a few minutes here.
1: Yeah, it's my pleasure, and good luck with this thing.